Have you heard the news? Multi-stream machine is open for enrollment for a limited time. If you're a product-based business owner who's ready to finally have a clear roadmap to build a sustainable and thriving business that supports itself and pays you the salary you dream of, then you're going to want to head to multistreammachine.com and check it out. All right, now let's jump into the episode. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sitap, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my awesome co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sitep. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. All right. So today, we want to kind of share some of our own experiences with you and how you can test and try things in your business. I think that's one of the the biggest questions we get from people. Everybody wants like a straight answer. I want to grow my business. I want to, you know, what should I do? They want like an exact answer. Like, don't, don't you feel like we get those questions a lot? Yeah. A lot of times it's, how much more do I need to do on Instagram? Or should I do Facebook ads? Or, you know, there's lots of things that people ask us that they want a very concrete answer to, but that's really not how entrepreneurship works. It's really about micro pivots and figuring out what's working and what's not working for you. Right. Which is how we get to that point of testing and trying. Cause ultimately that is it's entrepreneurship. We're all in one giant science experiment. I feel like yeah. Like, Good luck to all of us. <laughs> you try it. Does it work? Does it not work? You know, we're really big on auditing. Like if you're a student in any of our courses, you know, you'll oftentimes hear us say you try this and then audit that experience, take a look, reflect. Cause a lot of times as entrepreneurs, I'll say it for myself, like I'm constantly moving forward instead of taking that pause sometimes to say like, how did this go? what would I improve? What would I do differently? So, Mm -hmm. but before we get to that, we need to test things. We need to try things. Like we do this with our students. We do this with our masterminders where they're like, what if I did, you know, X, Y, Z. And we're like, well, did you test it? You can try it. Mm -hmm. So we want to go over some things today that you can test and try in your business as well to see like to, there's different places in your business that you can test and try different options to see if they work for you, your business and what you want personally. Yeah. And these are going to be general ideas. So the secret sauces of of an entrepreneur really is that they're willing to fail really quickly. They're willing to get up and try, try, try again, right? That's the whole soul of an entrepreneur is that they're just willing to move forward, even if things didn't go perfectly. So testing and trying is really about imperfection, uh, imperfection and moving forward and getting up time and time again and trying a bunch of different things, but seeing what works and what doesn't. Right. Okay. So we're going to get into it. So the first one we want to talk about that you might be thinking about in your product-based business of what can I test and try are your products. So if Mm -hmm. you're a student, if you've gone through bestseller secrets challenge with us or any of our workshops, or you're in multi-stream machine, you know, we talk about the bestseller, but that question that always comes up is like, well, what is my bestseller? What if I don't have enough data on my bestseller? What if I haven't made sales yet? And I don't know what that is. Right. So there, there's always that question 
before it of like, well, I don't know what it is. Well, when it comes to your products, you need to test and you need to try and you need to see what the results are and then audit from there. Yeah, for sure. And then it really is about, um, cause a lot of times we get focused really on our product and we're like, okay, how do I sell this? So what are some ways people, we've seen people test products that would be beneficial. Right. So I kind of wanted to talk about this from our personal experiences too. So a lot of, you know, Mina is the owner of Little Labels and, but before you got to Little Labels, Mm -hmm. let's talk about you because you were an entrepreneur. You transitioned from, you know, being a graphic designer for corporate, you know, banks and companies to becoming a product boss, a product entrepreneur, but you didn't land on little labels. Wasn't the very first business that you started. And it's not the last business you started either. Oh, good grief. No. Um, (laughs) I mean, the product boss is like, everybody thinks I probably started in the product boss, right? Or it probably started in little labels. Um, But that was not the case. Even taking a little bit further, I used to, my first product that I ever sold, aside from my services as a graphic designer to like corporate banks and and things like that, was I sold um, scrapbooking apparel, like scrapbooking clothes. And then I built events, scrapbooking events to sell those clothes, which were called crops. If you don't know, you know, now you know. Um, (laughs) That's what scrapbooking events were called. And there'd be like 300 people. I would sell the seats and then we would sell them clothing. It was when it first started with me and one of my friends, a business partner, and we would even travel to scrapbooking expos and sell these clothes. It was very profitable. And this was the time of Hobby Lobby having whole aisles of scrapbooking stuff. I mean, scrapbooking was the thing. And so I did that from all the way up to, for seven years I did it. And five of those years was by myself. And what ended up happening was that I really ended up focusing on the events because I ended up having kids. And the events were what I sold instead of um, traveling around to the in-person markets, for example. Well, they weren't in-person. I actually would drive to like, my husband and I, we would take a minivan. We'd even go all the way to like Cincinnati, Ohio, which is not close to Iowa. It was like something like eight hours, you know? And so that was the first product that I really understood, oh, people are buying this because they want to represent, you know, that they're wearing these, that they love scrapbooking and they would wear them at the crops because it would get cold from air conditioning and it would spend the whole day with us, you know? And so that was my first product. Then when I started um, understanding Amazon or wanting to get onto Amazon, I actually did private labeling. And this is where you source products from China and you put a label on there, which was like a perfect fit for me. I'm a graphic designer. I can pretty much create a brand, you know? And then I learned a lot. So I started with chalk markers, which were called chalksters, a wine chill stick, which was called chill stick, but spelled, you know, a different way. And then a baby pacifier holder, which was called Binky Buddy. By the way, don't use Binky because it is trademarked. I had to end up liquidating that inventory. So lesson learned right there, right? But really when I went into it, it was the time of a lot of private labeling before everybody got into it. I learned so much about Amazon and so much about keywords and products and what people wanted and what consumers wanted. Every single one of those was was profitable for me. I probably could have stuck with them. If I were to pick one though, I would have picked, I would pick chill stick because that had the best margin. I just wasn't marketing it right. Um, now, when I look back, I think I should probably have said that it kept your wine cold instead of that it makes your wine cold, you know? So anyways, mm-hmm. that's just a side tangent reflection right there. That's an audit right there. <laughs> <laughs> but I still have some in my basement. So, you know, um, the packaging was great. I did a, I did a lot of 
selling. Like I literally sold thousands of each of these items. And and then I just realized that wasn't for me. I didn't love sourcing the products. I did not love um, importing them in from China and, and fax or not faxing, wiring my money. And I was always on the hunt for my own product. Like what could I make? And that's kind of like where Low Labels was born. But it wasn't like a brilliant idea that it was like one day, all of a sudden my life changed. It really was, okay, how do I make this happen? How do I test it out? What needs to go into making this label? Why do I want waterproof labels? You know, like it was a problem I was solving for myself because my daughter was going into daycare and, and can I actually get it done? You know, so it was a lot harder, I have to say than private labeling where you get to source the product and voila arrives at your door and you just, you know, you work with the manufacturer to get new packaging on it. It was definitely development. And so that's kind of the product. Like when you look at it product first, what I did. Mm -hmm. I'll say the same thing for me and my business. So as a fashion designer, you know, I've been consulting for 15 years, but at the same time, because as a fashion designer, I wanted to have my own lines. I had two. So I started my consulting business. You and I are very aligned, even though we never met back then. Um, but I had <laughs> well, my hustling, consulting. I, feel like. I know. <laughs> like, how many things can we do? I had my consulting business. I had um, I started a line called Lily Mark, which was an eco-friendly dress line. So I really wanted to pay attention to consumption of materials. So it was fifty percent found materials, which they call dead stock. So materials that were already used, and it's like extra leftover, and you might find them in like stores and things like that. And then the second, and then half of it was uh, new, newly sourced material, because at that point, everything that was like organic or eco-friendly back then felt kind of like very granola, if that makes sense. Like it felt very kind mm-hmm. of like hippy dippy, you know, what you kind of would expect out of. It wasn't it fashion like for it. It was more yeah. like function like, for it. I yeah. Guess. Like slubby yeah. silks versus like really uh-huh. smooth silks, things like that. And I was like, I didn't want it to look that way. I wanted it to compete or feel elevated that it could compete against like those bigger brands. But then instead it was, you know, mission-based. It was, you know, thinking about the environment and consumption. Okay. So that was Lily Mark created this beautiful dress line. I would go to, I loved it. I would go to flea markets and I'd find all those like beaded tops or dresses from the eighties. And then I would convert them into new garments and, or I would make new garments from scratch. And I would find, you know, the linings would be dead stock material that I found. Did that, sold that wholesale was in like a very big store in Los Angeles. Celebrities were wearing it, that kind of thing. And at the same time, I also came up with Cuffs Couture, which was the wearable wrist wallet. I used to go clubbing. (laughs) I would go dancing and I hated having a purse on my shoulder. I still to this day kind of hate it. And I didn't need a bunch of things. Like one of my best friends is like, she's like Mary Poppins. She could pull a lamp out of her bag. She had everything in her bag. And me, I was like, all I need is my wallet, my keys, you know, my phone, I'm good to go. And like cash. Right. So I created Cuffs Couture. And as I was doing them, Cuffs Couture to me was the easier one. It was a smaller product. It was easier to stock. It was cheaper to sew. It was easier to source. And so as I was doing those, I was really pulled more towards Cuffs Couture. And so as you think about that, because you're all creatives out there, and I'm sure you have a ton of ideas. And I'm sure a lot of you are like, can I hold all of these different businesses? But as you start to shake out, you're kind of pulled towards one thing. Like Mina, you were pulled to sourcing your own product, making your own products. And for me, mm-hmm. funny enough, cause I wanted to be a bridal designer and I was making gowns and dresses, but I ended up on accessories and we both let those businesses kind of, you know, you still have little labels. I let mine run its course because my other business was but, really big. 
Well, low labels, thank goodness, has my husband keeping it alive right. and thriving, right? Because it does, there, your energy goes somewhere, right. you know, when you have multiple things. So as you can see there, though, we've t- we tested and tried different ideas that we had as creatives. We t- tested and tried different products. And then also within our product categories, um, when I would, let's say with Cuffs Couture, I tested, I started out with Cuffs. I started out with fancier ones and I went to basics and basics people really liked. Then from there, as like hair accessories were really the trend at that point when people would wear like feathers in their hair and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I started. I feel I, like I wish we had cuffs. To, like I know you donated all those, or I have a few liquidated. <laughs> I mean, there's so many. Have you seen the ones now? They have scrunchies that have a zipper. Yeah, I know. I was a little ahead of my time. I think. <laughs> yeah, you really were. Like I'm always like. Oh, this is Cuffs Couture, you know? (laughs) So, so I did, I did headbands. I did hair accessories. I did necklaces and jewelry. I did gloves at some point and I tested those, but they didn't, those did not work as well as Cuffs Couture did. Right. So all of a sudden I had broadened my categories as per request of my sales reps. And then it kind of actually hurt my business versus grew my business because my money was spread out into more products. I was having to source different products. I was having to work with different manufacturers to make the gloves, for example, or hair accessories. So I will tell you that was actually probably towards the end of my business where I was like, their sales slowed down because I had diluted what I was known for. Um, Had I stayed with just cuffs, I probably could have continued to scale that and gotten better and better at that versus, you know, trying all these other things out, but that's test and try. So if I wanted to keep the business going, I probably would have said like, okay, these aren't working. Let's drop them out and let's keep leaning into wearable accessories that are functional, that hold your items. So that's products, mm-hmm. but let's move on to the next idea, which are, you can also, cause we can get into more of our experiences, test and try sales platforms, sales channels, yeah. right? Right. I feel like, I've tested so many sales platforms. <laughs> um, Amazon, obviously, you know, Walmart, Jet when it existed, Sears for a little bit, in-person markets, but I never, like you did wholesale and you did wholesale markets. I actually only did business to business or business to customer markets. So we're talking gift marts, farmers markets, um, I don't know what they would even be called. Like they, they're called so many different things, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's business to consumer. It's not business yeah. to business, like in-person shows. Right, right. And even like email, even for selling my products, I, I did email and I was, I feel like very ahead of my time. When mm-hmm. I read um, Jeff Walker's um, launch, I was actually already doing that with my scrapbooking people. They were super bonded to me. They would literally wait till like the doors open for um, reserving their seats and I would give them priority access. They, you know, like when... One of the events. Jeff Walker's um, launch is a book. Yeah, it's a book. Okay. And he's known for it. And he he's like the godfather of learning how to launch. And you do it by warming up your audience by emailing them. And so, you know, uh, it's a, a fantastic book. And then when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, I do a lot of this stuff naturally because I'm connected to my audience, you know, um, because they would scrapbook with me, right? And they knew me by name. They knew actually my kids and everything. So it was just, um, and then it was a tradition for them. They would get together and um, with like groups of people and come to my scrapbooking events. And then there's their scrapbooking clothes and they'd eat there and everything, you know? So it was a really big thing. And so, yeah, lots of different platforms like that. What are some other ones? So how I did never you, did wholesale though. So testing and trying then. So mm-hmm. you tested and you tried these different sales channels and then 
how did, did you whittle Not all it down at to- once though, I should right. say that, right? Mm-hmm. So um, a lot, I'm, and then I've d- been in subscription boxes, um, been on flash deal sites. So I, you basically have to come up with your pricing to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when you're going to sell on any platform, you need to know what you're going to price at. So that way, if you're going to a subscription box, for example, let's just say, or a flash deal site, and they ask you, what's your pricing? You know how much margin you have. So then that way you can price it a certain way. Same with anywhere wholesale and same with anywhere retail. Like what are you going to price at on Amazon? Or what are you going to price at on your own website? So I think that that was like the first thing of like me getting my core pricing and my core photos and knowing, okay, I have this much in inventory and what uh, what places am I going to sell in? Right, which is actually something we talk about in Multi-Shoe Machine, like in the very first module, because we really help people figure out like, what do I have to sell? Where do I want to sell it? And does it work for my margin? Does it work for the mm-hmm. type of life I want to build around my business? So that's something that we've done in real life. So in your experiences, did you stop doing any of them? Like you tested, you tried it and it didn't work for you? Yeah. Like uh, Walmart, for example, is very, very, very slow compared to Amazon. And I, but I just stay on there, I guess. Um, because who knows what the world will lead to, you know, you don't do in person anymore, right? No, I, that's as much as I loved in person, it was for my life back then. Mm -hmm. Um, now my life has changed It's a different season. I have kids, uh, you know, in person, I love it because you get instant feedback. You get to be with the people, you get to set up your booth. It's actually really, really fun. Um, but when you have kids and it takes up a weekend, it's really hard. So I would never probably go back into that setting, mm-hmm. you know? Hey, hey, product boss. We all know that building a product-based business isn't easy, is it? But here's the truth. It doesn't have to be so hard. In fact, when you have the right systems and support in place, you can skyrocket your sales and finally create the product business that fits your life and lifestyle. That's why we're so excited to announce that Multistream Machine is officially open for enrollment for a limited time. We've taken our 20 years of experience in building product-based businesses, including our own, which have generated millions and created a completely turnkey system to help you scale your business and create the revenue you've dreamed of. If you're a product-based business owner who's ready to build a sustainable and thriving business that can support itself and pay you the salary you dream of. Or get more customers to easily find you and buy from you without spinning your wheels while stuck on social media and spending money on paid ads. Have a clear roadmap that shows you exactly how to create a plan and sell more so you can stop guessing and start knowing. Then you're going to want to head to multistreammachine.com and check it out. You can go through the course at your own pace. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. And our thousands of alumni can tell you there's no other course for product-based businesses like it. So friends, we'll see you in there. So for me, in terms of sales channels and sales platforms, so, and a lot of you that have listened to the show know that I come from a very traditional background when it comes to, you know, uh, products and selling. So when I started, and this is all the way back to like some of my first careers in the fashion industry, but when I started Cuffs Couture, I did two things. I built my own website. So that was one sales platform, sales channel. And I went and found a showroom, a sales rep and a showroom. And I had multiple showrooms across the country because at that point, if you wanted to sell wholesale, 
you needed a sales rep and you needed to be in a showroom. So it was hard too. It was like, I used to say it felt like interviewing for college because I was way closer to college back then. (laughs) (laughs) You try it, but it, it was, or, you know, it's, they have to, finding a showroom that wants to represent you, that's a good showroom was crazy. So I would walk around the showrooms because once a month at the Marts in LA, they would have sample sales. So you could actually get access to all the showrooms. Mm -hmm. I would walk around, I'd wear my cuff and I would kind of peek in and then be like, Hey, are you accepting any new brands? Oh, what do you sell? And I would show them my cuff on my wrist. And now, even now it is more competitive, but 2020 kind of made it like Kevlin, for example, she's best of show um, Mm -hmm. in uh, Atlanta and Vegas markets, but she's potentially up for temporary showrooms, for example. So this all still exists just in a slightly different way, you know? Yeah. And and it still exists. Like any big brand, yeah, yeah. Like they have, they pay sales reps because there's relationships that are established. Like yeah. if you really are going that route, you do, whether they're an in-house sales rep or you hire a, a showroom, they, mm-hmm. they truly, they have, it's like my husband as an actor, he has agents and managers that have quick calls to like the heads of, you know, CBS and NBC. That's why you have those people. It's a, it's a, they're quicker to get you in there. But, um, so finding showrooms was hard. I got a really good showroom. I was in the same showroom that basically started Bando. Um, but I was paying a thousand dollars a month for a couple shelves. I paid 15% commission. Um, I paid for all of the trade shows they went to. So it would be like two to $5,000 per trade show for travel and them to go. Plus I would want to go. Um, so they, but they, I was global. I sold globally and I sold hundreds of thousands of units. So when we talk about that, I, um, I tested and tried showrooms. Now, not only that, I also tested and tried reps. So I was in several showrooms. I was one in, one in New York that like never called me, never sent an order. So I had to pull my product. So you try, you try platforms and then we tried selling to places. I also, at one point, um, I think it was called handbags.com or bags.com. Basically it was like a new commerce platform where it was drop shipping for bags. Mm -hmm. I tested that, but we decided at that point that we didn't want to drop ship. I never got onto Amazon, thought about it. I sold direct to consumer. So I tried that out, but I realized with direct to consumer, I needed more marketing to get the people in. That's why I say your website's like a star in the universe, because just because I put a website up on the internet, didn't mean that people knew I was there. So I really had to lean into marketing efforts. I did flash deal sites. I did in-person business to business trade shows. So like magic show, um, coterie in New York, LA shows, things like that. Accessories, the show. What did I do that didn't work? So I tested all of those. What I realized though, I will tell you, and this is kind of how multi-stream machines stemmed from us as well, is I would sell more. And I know it's not always the right thing, but I am also very much in sales. I would sell more when I did the trade shows than when my reps would go. Because my Mm -hmm. reps were diversified over all the brands they had to sell. And they went to Bandeau, for example, that was making them millions and millions of dollars. So they would like lean into Bandeau and they weren't really focusing on how hard it was to sell Cuffs Couture because you had to explain the product. So what I did is I did do showrooms for a couple of years, but then eventually I, before and after I repped myself and found myself growing a lot more there. So I think when you're thinking about your sales channels and sales platforms, people are always like, well, where should I sell? Should I sell on Amazon? You know, should I go wholesale? Mm -hmm. And all we can ever tell you is like Mina said, if you're priced correctly for those platforms, which is definitely something we work on in multi-stream machine, then you test it. You see if it works. You see if it works for what you want. And if it doesn't, it doesn't mean your business has failed. It just means that you, this doesn't work right now where you are. And so try something else. Yeah. And there's lots of, your your business would go through seasons. So like I said, I would probably never go back 
to in person. But at that time, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Right. And same with wholesale for a lot of people, even wholesale as it is now, even our masterminder, Susan Gordon Pottery, she used to have a thriving wholesale um, arm of her business. She was the one who decided to shut it down because it didn't work for her anymore. It was just too much on her team. And she was already, she had built such a big um, direct to customer base. Right. So at that time, you know, while she started in wholesale, she ended up in direct to customer. So it it becomes a journey of testing and trying and seeing what works for your business in, in during that season. Yeah. And I also think if we go back to product, right, we've talked about this. This is something we really lean into with our students at Multishu Machine is that it's like, what product are you going to take forward with you? Like, what are you going to take and move on to other platforms to test and try? Because yeah. a lot of times people are like, well, what should I do? And we're like, well, find your best seller. And when you find your best seller, that's the thing that you can scale. You know, it sells in this one place, right? So you've got proof there. It's like a science experiment. Like we started, you have proof. So it should be able to sell on a new platform. If it doesn't, and all we say is that you test it and you try it. And if it doesn't, then you have to make your tweaks. Is it the pricing? Is it the photos? Is the platform really just not the place? Like if you sell wedding dresses and you try and sell them on Amazon and they don't sell on Amazon, like maybe that's not the place that you should be. But you at least not right now, you right. know, right. And so you kind of have to be adaptable as business owners to figure out the right product. So you test and try your products, and you figure it out. Then you, once you kind of figure out the winner there, you'll test and try that on new platforms. Mm-hmm. And then once you do that, you'll, you know, that in itself will grow your business. That's where you're going to make the money. That's where you're going to make more sales because you'll have gotten in front of other audiences you've gotten in front of other customers and you've done it with the thing that you know sells well because you've tested, tried it, and it has proof that it works. Right. Then you take it another layer and you test and try marketing. So now you have your product, you have your platform, but you need to sprinkle in the marketing to bring the eyes and traffic. So that's like what we talked about in a previous episode, which was, you know, POP marketing, paid advertising or paid marketing, um, organic marketing, which is like email, word of mouth, you know, using your connections, that sort of thing. And then partner, which is affiliates, influencers, other people's platforms would be in there because you're giving them a percentage of your sales, but they're bringing the eyes for you, right? You give Amazon 15%, you give Etsy 5%, that sort of thing. Right. And so when it comes to marketing, um, I remember that I was working with a client that was doing religious garments and, um, she was like struggling so much on Instagram. And the idea there was that she was trying Instagram, but her customers weren't actually on Instagram. So it didn't necessarily mm-hmm. work. So I think a lot of times all of you feel like you, you look at, and this is like our episode of keep your blinders on, but you look at marketing, and you're like, this person's having such, such success on this one marketing channel platform in this way. And then you assume that it should work for you as well. But the biggest thing you have to go back and ask yourself is, are your customers there, right? Are they showing up and wanting to engage with that content in that marketing way? So I think it's the same thing with test and try on marketing. You email, we stand by. Like you grow Mm -hmm. your email list, you send emails, you test and try the types of emails you send to see what like converts with people, but emails are what you send. The other marketing things are like, do you work with a publicist? Do you do PR? Do you lean into social media, Instagram, Reels, uh, TikTok? Facebook? Do you do a Facebook group? All we can ever say, and we say this to our students all the time, um, we, you know, 
we do when the multi-stream machine students come on board, like our new ones, we do a Q and a session with them and a couple coaching calls. And that's a big question. Like, where should I be? Where should I market? And so we help direct them to the right module, you know, in the course, but the idea is all we can say to them is like, test this, follow, you know, follow what we teach here in this course, implement it, audit yourself, see if it works or it doesn't. Can you make tweaks, try it for a certain amount of time. And then if it doesn't work, find another way to market. Yeah. Try it for a certain amount of time for sure. Because when, even when our students come in or when we chat with people, they're like, oh, they hear, you know, like you just said a whole bunch of things, TikTok, (laughs) Instagram, Facebook groups, well, you know, all that stuff. It's so overwhelming. You need to test one at a time, Mm -hmm. maybe two at a time. Well, we're not saying test 10 at a time, you know, because that again makes your time, money, and energy distributed into too many places that you don't know what's working. And it makes Mm -hmm. it really difficult for you to gain momentum along with um, it's so discouraging Mm -hmm. because you're not putting enough time and energy into one place in order to for it to focus to grow, to really understand that is it for me or is it not for me? I actually, and what I see with our students that are, they feel like they're sinking instead of swimming, like they're kind of floundering a bit Mm -hmm. is that they do, they want to do all of the things and they don't do any of them well enough, good enough, like for long enough too, long enough, like leaning into something. So we just had a student ask us, you know, sales have really dropped. And, um, she was talking about how she needs to get her business up and revived again. And she's thinking of all these marketing efforts that she's seen all the different people do. And we're like, let's find one that you think will move the needle fast enough. And the idea was, I think we said the fastest one would be a partnership type marketing, which would be yeah. influencer marketing. Right. But remember what she ended up doing was she had already invested in a marketing company that she thought, if I give this company marketing money, then they will do all these things for me and then I'll get to see what works. But the marketing money is not the easy answer either. You can't just give a company marketing money and be like, okay, this agency will take care of it. You you need to go through what Jacqueline and I had already said. What is your product that you're selling? What are the platforms that you're selling on? So they can help you market that versus here's my money, good luck, you know? <laughs> Go figure this out for me, right? Because yeah, there's a lot of that figuring it out. So in in that case, and like you said, it's kind of like picking one and leaning into it. Because if she picks this one, like another student in multi-shoe machine, I remember she had worked with an influencer that maybe had a hundred thousand followers. I'm not sure. It wasn't like the craziest amount, and she had 400 orders come in in a weekend mm-hmm. from that. We have another student right now that just worked with another big influencer, and um. She also like, I don't know, made like $12,000 in a day on sales or something. I know I'm yeah. saying this as from an influencer perspective. It's not telling all of you to go do influencer work. But what we're saying is that, and this is again, what we teach in the course. It's like you pick where you want to do your marketing and you lean in and you test it and you try it. And if it has a result like these two that I've just shared with you, that would be, okay, this is great. This works for your business. Do it again. If you mm-hmm. do it and it's a total flop, you audit it and you say, okay, maybe that wasn't the right influencer. Let me try it again with a different influencer. Okay. That flopped as well. All right. I'm going to try a different marketing effort. So that's the whole idea here. You are meant to fail my friends, like from an entrepreneurial perspective. Yeah. Fail as fast as you can. So you can know what is happening. So somebody, you um, follow us, everybody at the product boss on Instagram. Jacqueline did a reel yesterday that was 
a sales um, tactic of how uh, using a poll to get people to buy from you. And somebody, yeah, I don't know if you saw this DM. Somebody DM'd and was like, my engagement is so low. I had 30 people who saw it and only one person engaged. I don't know what's happening. And she kind of was spiraling. And I messaged her back and I said, keep trying it. Even if you have one person every single time, that's one more person that will make it roll into doing it. You can't, the data cannot just be one poll and you're done and that's it. You yeah. have to stick with it. And then and then you'll decide, is Instagram right for me or is it not right for me, right? Or is because this method of polling right for me or not right for yeah, me? Yeah, right, right. So then it's, you know, you there's these expectations on results. That's what causes people to be disappointed sometimes. But if you expect to fail, which you definitely should expect to fail as a entrepreneur, because if you're not failing, you're not thinking big enough. You're not going mm-hmm. for big enough things. And so you should expect to fail and then be like, oh, okay, how can I micro pivot and be super agile in this and keep moving forward with what I know now? Mm-hmm. And that's what we've done. You know, Mina and I, as we, when we built Multi-Stream Machine, we were talking about this before, we were saying basically our struggles in business, our struggles in what we've experienced, both of us in our, you know, decades now of product business businesses, um, we took our experiences and we said, how could we make this easier? How could we not have a gatekeeper? What have we tried? Cause we both, as you've heard, have had different experiences. Mm-hmm. We've tried different things. We've, we've had absolutely different products. We've sold uh-huh. in different sales channels, different sales platforms, and we've both done very different things with marketing. Neither of us have had to have really big followings on social media to have very profitable product-based businesses because we did our marketing in a different way. And so we took all of that and that's really, you know, that was multi-share machine was like the, how you and I started. That was our very first yeah, presentation. Right. I mean, for sure. Um, you know, with everything, I know that like one of the things for you is like just removing that gatekeeper because you saw how heavy of a the burden expenses. it was, the expense mm-hmm. to have a sales rep or a showroom, but how could you cut out that gatekeeper, which is what we teach in multi-share machine. For me, it was with Amazon when I was first starting, I felt like a a fish out of water. You know, like I know that I learned a lot and I, but I still felt like I did not belong, you know? So it was just really cryptic. I had to figure out a lot of things. Everybody was super secretive on there. They were super um, product forward. Like they find the gap and they fill in the product versus I was more like, I want to create a product and a brand and I want to grow it and I want to, you know, be more fulfilled in my life. It wasn't like that for the Amazon world. It was more like get a whole bunch of money by sourcing this product in China, throw a label on it, voila, you'll make money. And that was just not true, mm-hmm. you know? And so basically when we started Multi-Stream Machine, I was like, how can I make this more accessible to regular people that want to sell their products on Amazon? And I just created like the step-by-step of here's how you do it because Amazon is very unhelpful in getting you on there. And so that's kind of what my learning lesson was, is that it can be done. And, um, and how can I make it easier for people? And I'd say the same thing for me with, you know, I launched my own website back. I was, you know, not one of the first to have a website, but, you know, back in the mid 2000s, e-commerce wasn't as big as it is 
now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I had launched this site and I remember I used to have to tell my clients, like, you should go get your website domain name and actually have a holding page there. Like that was like out of scope for their brains. And so I had done that. But then what I, my missing piece was how to get people, how to get the traffic to my site, right? Like mm-hmm. SEO was kind of also an unknown, like how do you, you had to go hire people for SEO. Um, and so I really wanted that direct connection to my consumers. And remember, this was not a time of like Instagram being what it is right now. Like we did not have access to people. So I think by, you know, and our students can probably attest to this, our multi-stream machine students, but the way that we had built the course was like, it was implementation, but also you pick and choose your path to profit and you go to the modules that work for you. And it's because of all these struggles that you and I had and struggles and learning lessons and entrepreneurial like lab, right? Like it was science lab and we kind of tested it and yeah. we tried ourselves. And then we combined that knowledge and brought it to everyone. So I hope that this podcast episode was helpful. I just want to recap that you test and try, right? You're going to test and try. And the things that we see that you do is you test and try your products, you test and try your sales platforms, and then you test and try your marketing efforts. And when you sort of figure that out, that is what you go deep on. That's what you move forward on. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the product boss podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show. So you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive, and we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts, and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us. This episode is brought to you by the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge. We believe that when you purchase from a small online or offline business, your dollar goes further. Hey friends, Mina and I created the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge, and we're inviting you to take the pledge with us. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business, online or offline. It's a way to make an impact together where and when it matters most, because the truth is your purchasing power matters now more than ever. We're inviting you to take the pledge. If you head to shop one in five.com, the link is in the show notes. And when you get there, please make sure to share the pledge with your friends, your family, and your customers. Let's invite everyone to take the shop one in five pledge so that we can all use our purchasing power to change lives.